assuming that because it's been done in the States, they must have obviously surveyed 50,000 people. Generally, 1,500 is kind of a relative standard. Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt Brown Show. Matt Brown Show. So Rapid Insights is a South African survey platform that delivers powerful consumer insights and in minimal time. Their rates and quick turnaround times allow you to access the information your business needs to thrive quickly, easily, and affordably. They have been instrumental in delivering the data that I have needed for my market liquidity research initiative. So please, guys, contact Rapid Insights today to get your insights tomorrow. Hey guys, so today I want to talk to you about research. Now, don't stress, this isn't going to be boring. (laughs) Most people, when I say the word research, their eyes tend to glaze over. But you know, you must understand one thing. This is probably one of the most undervalued initiatives that any entrepreneur and business can take. But interestingly, it seems that research as a strategic capability is to this day not used by many entrepreneurs and or startups and business owners and even worse, ignored entirely. So the other day I was interviewing Anisha Dasani, the founder and CEO of Giraffe, who happened to win the Global Seed Stars program and we were talking about this thing called market liquidity. Now market liquidity simply refers to the extent to which you are driving the frequency within which the market buys your businesses, products, and or services. Now, all the world's leading companies, I'm talking about the big boys, the best guys in the business, are involved in some form of research-driven market liquidity initiative. And so if you are not doing independent research into your own market, then you really are missing out on an opportunity to position you and your business as a thought leader in the market that you operate in. Take my company, Matt Brown Media, for example. We have our own market liquidity initiative by undertaking the largest ever independent research project into the South African podcasting industry. And so this is where our story begins. I reached out to Addy Zook and Emma Dupree from an innovative new research play called Rapid Insights to help my media company with its own research. And I must say that working with them really has allowed me to scale my research initiative quickly and most importantly, cost effectively. So in this episode, we explore why research actually matters, what the benefits are when it comes to research and how you can work with data in your own business. So without further ado, Enter Emma Dupree and Addie Zook. Hey guys, welcome back to the Matt Brown Show. I'm here in Cape Town at the offices of uh, Just Play with Addie and Emma. Say how's it, ladies? Hi. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> There's a bit of a backstory to this. So uh, I was um, basically surfing the interwebs as you do these days and I came across this uh, piece of research or it was more like a press release, kind of about digital channel usage and all this kind of stuff. And it was proudly brought to you by Popeye Media. And then as I was reading through the article, there was this research partner. And the research partner was you guys, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, how did that whole thing come about? I mean, if we go look back, what's the kind of headlines? How did you guys get to this point as a business? And then we can jump into the meat and potatoes of why research matters and that kind of stuff. So um, we've worked with Popeye Media before. We've used their platform for advertising. And that was sort of a little while back when they were a little smaller. And we sort of got in touch with them. They got in touch with us because they knew that we have a platform that allows us to run really, um, get really quick results uh, on surveys. So yeah, so they reached out to us. They had a plan to create, I guess, well, which would have been the content that you engaged with was sort of the state of digital in South Africa. And so they used us to run the research, the consumer side of that, which was obviously asking people about how they use different digital channels, when they use them, how they engage with different product types, etc. So yeah, so that's how you ended up seeing that story. Well, and it was an interesting interesting one because obviously Matt Brown Media is doing a market liquidity initiative, simply another way of saying what is the 
insights or the behavioral intent around podcasts, right? So for a long time, there hasn't been any data outside of the Cliff Central network. Um, and so when I read that, I've reached out to you guys and you guys have been doing work for me. Um, and it's been literally insane. Like I can't believe how quickly I've been getting responses. The data has been really exciting to get back. And so as a business owner who wants to get insight into my markets, your service has been like completely amazing, right? So having said all of that, Thank you. <laughs> and, I, and I mean that sincerely because it's actually bloody expensive doing research. But the data is important because in any business, if you're not driving the liquidity, meaning the frequency within which you're selling your, your goods and services, that's a big problem, you know, strategically. So it's not enough just to kind of wing it. You actually need to have the data to say, hey, there is a massive podcast market. There is an opportunity for you to tell your story, Mr. Brand, Mr. Corporate, Mr. Individual, Business Owner, Entrepreneur, whatever. And so it's, it's been a really cool experience. But I'm more interested to know, like, how did you get to that point? So I know that um, Just Players were running effectively social media-based competitions for years. Remember, we met like it was five, six years ago or something crazy yeah, like that. Right. How big is your database now? It's over one and a half million people have joined Just Play. Um, so yeah, the story is we've been running competitions, we've been running different engagement experiences, and yeah, we've managed to attract over one and a half million people, and that's one of the reasons we can power research and survey so quickly and we can get the kind of respondents and responses that you got, uh, which is really exciting. And I think, you know, that's really the direction we want to take the business going forward. Just play, um, yeah, it's given a lot of people a lot of, from a consumer perspective, we've given away cars, cash, iPads, houses, experiences, and not houses. Marriages. Yes, or marriages. <laughs> I'm not sure how legal. I'll look into that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's given a lot of people a lot of um, hope, a lot of fun. Um, and now it, it can give businesses a lot of great insights, as you said, into kind of their markets. Or it's a quick and easy way to find people's opinions or what they're really looking for without spending huge amounts of money on marketing. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that's important to know here is that people hate surveys. Do you know what I mean? And my not our people, uh, not yours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, that's how you're changing. I suppose you're changing the game. I mean, yeah. I, maybe we can jump into the platform side of things in a second. But uh, but from my side, it's you know, I, I mean, my survey is not short. I mean, there's 19 questions. It takes probably three four minutes to complete. I haven't even been using an incentive, you know, up until very recently, where I'm now offering you know, then a chance to win one of five thousand rand take a lot vouchers. But before it was like there was no incentive and typically speaking or if you look generally it's like people don't do anything without an incentive generally yet you somehow were able to drive a ton of traffic through to to my research initiative with no incentive and i think i checked off as of this morning and there was about you know one and a half thousand survey completed respondents so i mean like for me that's, and that's in a couple of days yeah exactly so it's been really really quick and i think that's you know, I suppose from a real-time or rapid insights perspective, <laughs> it's been really, really power here. Why are you wanting to move the business in that direction? So I think um, we've realized that rapid insights, um, which is our client-facing um, brand and offering, can deliver surveys and insights much quicker. Um, we can get a lot more and very targeted um, South African-centric insights and just from a global and local perspective it's very competitive it's definitely our core competency and as we're seeing marketing budgets increase as we're seeing people unsure of how to tap into or how to you know, get visibility in such a cluttered and expensive market, especially digitally. We're seeing more and more people asking for research, asking for insights, whether it's for their marketing strategies, their content marketing strategies, whether it's for agency pitches, whether it's for talks. It's a much more cost-effective, much more strategic way of making decisions. Yeah, I mean, speaking of agencies, I'm obviously ex-agency. Yeah. <laughs> so generally when an ad or when a big brand wants to do like a massive brand campaign, they'll phone the agency and say, listen, here's the brief, little brand level, that kind of crap. And then it'll be kind of like, come back with a 
TV ad or an idea for a TV ad. So generally, there's a, there's a strategy, there's a brand idea or a strategic platform, and then from that, they then create effectively uh, mood boards, right? And uh, if the client signs off on the big idea, whatever that might be, so let's take F and B for instance. So we help people help themselves. That's the big brand thought. So now they come up with a big TV ad for that, and so it goes into testing. And generally, what happens is they create what they call animatics. So it's kind of like a cartoon, but a really shitty version of that. You know, it's like very slow moving images with a voiceover trying to bring that kind of TV ad to life. Now, if you're going to spend 20 million rand on a TV ad, you kind of want to know that the market's going to like this. You know, um, and so this is why they pay literally hundreds of thousands of rands a month to big research houses like TNS and so forth to basically let the client know that what they're going to market with from a brand communications perspective is in fact going to work. And they pay so much money for that. But here's the interesting thing. How do you think they test that animatics? What they do is they literally get 20 people into a room and they say, we're going to give you free hot dogs and hamburgers. And they play three different sets of animatics and they say, which one do you like the most? Okay, I'm not saying this is the the only way they do this, but I'm saying in general this is how it works. And so I'm saying 20 people in a room in a country where there's 56 million people, that for me doesn't exactly give you real insight into what or how the message will land. It's not even dipstick, it's kind of like a toothpick. (laughs) (laughs) We definitely need to let the research companies know. Uh, more of them know that they can do this, you know, with a lot more respondents, as you say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a much bigger toothpick. I just think, <laughs> yeah, a much bigger toothpick. It's kind of like a, an oil drop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, and it's interesting because, I mean, you only get to really do these kind of big campaigns once. You know, I mean, I'm saying not necessarily Vodacom and so forth, but the other companies, you know, the mid-cap companies of which you guys will know, many EO yeah. members or whatever. So I'm looking at the research industry more broadly and saying, there's such huge scope to reinvent it, to do it faster, better, and cheaper. Would Maybe you agree? a bit of disruption. Yeah, a bit of disruption thrown into the mix. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're thinking about your research platform now, I mean, how are you going to diversify from a services perspective? So, um, we're launching, which Addie mentioned, Rapid Insights. So, Rapid Insights is going to be sort of our client facing side of our Just Play business. Um, and I think that with that, we're going to be refining what we can offer clients, um, you know, what we can offer businesses. So, I think that also uh, one of the things that we're moving into is also, I guess, a little bit of a maybe an education space. So like you're saying, you know, there are these traditional ways of thinking about how you can taste things or thinking about what you can do with information. And I think we're currently sort of moving into a space where we're realizing that there's so much more that businesses can do with the information. And um, I think that what's going to be, you know, what is very cool and is going to get cooler, hopefully, (laughs) is... That we're actually, you know, we're employing all of these strategies and tactics across some of our other businesses in our group. You know, so we're going to, we've already, I mean, I think the Papa Media, um, piece is like an incredible case study on, on how information was used in a sort of relatively non-traditional way, um, to create a whole lot of impact for the business. Um, and I think we're just going to be working on developing that out more. Yeah, so one of the things we are doing is um, for our financial services business, we have leveraged Display um, or Rapid Insights to get cool infographics, cool PR pieces, cool content pieces to help our SEO and social media strategy. And um, it's really, our SEO has taken off massively. It's really helped our volumes. So it's just, a, as M said, a different way of thinking about it, a more disruptive way. Yeah, to your point, I mean, it's, this is actually about thought leadership because in my view, if you're not doing research in whatever industry that you're in, I mean, if you're doing, if you're a commercial property person or business and you're not doing research into commercial property and the impact of the economy, for instance, on... Yeah, it's huge impact. You know what I mean? Though. Like you have to, all the biggest companies in the world are doing research. The, not the biggest, the best, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and, and the reason I think that they're doing that is because it's thought leadership, Right, it's you're taking custodianship of the markets that you serve. It's being um, maybe a bit proactive as opposed to reactive. 
um, making sure you're one step ahead of your competitors and, as we said, being more strategic, uh, knowing which direction you're going as opposed to kind of paying a lot of school fees and, and maybe potentially missing the boat. Yeah. Also, I mean, the, the, the reality is that the markets that we serve are changing so quickly. Do you know That's what I mean? True. And so, like, take podcast consumption. If and you know, so we're going to get a set of data now, which the markets never had before, which is amazing, right? Um, so there's two things here. One, the next time I do this research in a year from now, obviously I'll be working with you guys. Awesome. Um, and but then you're going to have year and year comparisons. You see, and now it suddenly becomes. Well, this is actually where the market's moving. Because there's dipstick, but then to your point, there's proactively determining where the market's going and then repositioning your business to address those changing needs. Yeah, so maybe taking a page out of what we've just said, as you said, and, and doing trends and you know in different industries. I think it's a great idea. We'll just borrow that for the business strategy. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but, um, but I'm interested to know from you guys, though, I mean, with, with, uh, with having done this for many years, I have a question for you, and it's more for me, actually, um, but I'm hoping our listeners will be able to learn from this too. You have two options, right? One, you can hold on to the data, right, and keep it internal, and potentially use that, write a report basically off it, and then you could either sell that report, and I, can, I mean, I don't, I'm sure you've seen this, but some of these research reports mm. are selling for like twenty, thirty thousand dollars Yeah. Um, and so the value of the data can't be underestimated, right? So there's, that's one way to essentially make money off research. So in other words, if someone's going to pay you 200 grand to do a research initiative, you might say, well, what's the return on that? And an easy way to do that is to say, well, it's $20,000, you solve two and you've made your money back, right? So you can either hold on to data and try and look at other ways to, to work with it to, to your benefit as a business owner. The other thing that you can do, and this is kind of where I'm leaning right now with Matt Brown Media and the podcast data, is to let it out and make it freely available. <clears throat> yeah. And what do you guys recommend, you know, in my case or if any, anyone else is going to consider doing research, what should they do? Should they hold on to the data um, or should they let it go? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. So I'm going to say that I don't think it has to be an either or situation, right? So depending on what research you're running, you can use some of that research, you can keep it for yourself, use it for your own business sites, use it to kind of craft your own storytelling within your business, within your content, within your, your consumer facing, you know, stuff. Or, you know, you could disseminate that information, place yourself as a thought leader in a particular thing, but you can actually do both, right? You don't, you don't have to necessarily choose. How do I you, how, I mean, I care, but how would you do both? Would you stagger it or? I would say, um, just to jump in, that it depends on the business objective. So do you want to create a, what is the objective of your research piece, for example? Um... I want so I'm in the business of producing shows, right? So podcasts, yeah. so which for, we should also mention to the research companies that are looking at TV ads exclusively. It's uh, the only uh, option. Yeah, yeah, I see. So I guess it is context awareness. dependent here. Yeah. To your point, I mean, like if you're going to test an ad, then that's cool, right? So then you hold on to the data. I mean, who cares if your ad's going to work or not until it exactly. flies? So, but for me, I want to drive the volume of or the frequency of transactions for the type of service that I offer. That's what essentially liquidity means. So do you want to get more 
business is aware that they can use this as a platform. Yeah, I'm saying here's a so new PR. media. Yeah, exactly. It's a PR piece. I mean, I could do it. This is what I'm already thinking because I've had so much media support. So I've had like IT Webbers Community, Kohiso Media, yeah, East Coast Radio, Jacaranda FM, blah, 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 blah. And it's been really awesome. So for me to hold on to that data, considering they were research partners, really wouldn't make sense, right? But I'm saying uh, my objective is to say that this is a viable distribution channel for your brand story. That's it. Um, in that case, if your objective is awareness and to create as much interest from a business perspective in you know, using podcasts as, as a business tool, as a, a way to get clients, then I would say get it out as you know, freely as possible. Obviously, strategically, so with the partners you've mentioned, um, they have authority, I wouldn't necessarily make it a research piece. But to answer your previous question on how you do both, um, and I'm not, I think it's always good to, to consult research experts if you want to do official research that's statistically, you know, and relevant and has the right myth methodology, um, you could do a summary type PRP, so where you have some insights, but you have a more comprehensive insight, um, insight research pack that people need to purchase or sign up and download. Okay, great idea. I'm going to do that. Thanks. <laughs> okay. We so we're each even. <laughs> one, one. <laughs> um, so I, I am in the process of kind of creating this whole initiative. Um, I had this kind of burning question about size. Like, what is the appropriate sample size? Um, and is there is there such a you know two point around methodology? Is there a number? Like, I'm looking for you know as you know about between one and a half, maybe two thousand people because. Quite fucking frankly, the data doesn't exist, so yeah. <laughs> so that's okay. But next year, I mean, should I be looking at you know twenty thousand people? Should it be five hundred thousand? Like when, you know, or does it stop when the data starts looking the same? I don't know. What do you guys think? So I don't want to speak to traditional research methodologies. You know what sample size is enough, but I do know that um, specifically when it comes to researching anything to do with the digital sphere, new tech, new things. I know that Standard Internationally generally we read a lot of statistics on big, um, you know, blogs and websites that everybody follows for information, assuming that because it's been done in the states, they must have obviously surveyed fifty thousand people. Generally, a thousand five hundred is kind of a relative standard, um, as far as I know. And that's a global standard. I yeah. think locally it's, it's usually much smaller. What, less than one and a half thousand? Yes. Really? Yes. Well, how many people did you get before you came to us? Uh, probably had a couple hundred, eh? I mean, I was getting, I mean, I you know, did the usual haunt of buying ads, Facebook ads and LinkedIn ads and stuff like that, and I was getting about a 45 rand cost Per completion, which is expensive. Yeah. I mean, if you put a thousand, that's, you know, do the math. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I also think it's, it becomes more expensive because it takes so long to get to a number that you feel like is statistically relevant. So it's not just that, that it's that initial cost per acquisition, it's that you can't do anything, you can't move on the information for like three months while you're gathering those people. And you have to be a marketing expert. Yeah, and I think, at the yeah, same time. you know, like you have to figure out how to run those ads and how to do this thing. And like you were saying, were you thinking about your, like how you incentivize? And I think that that's what's cool about what we can do is that we can deliver it and it's, we can make it cost effective but we can do it really quickly which also makes it in the long run more cost effective because you're able to take that insight and use it or to create awareness or to you know focus on your business yeah yeah that's quite important yeah uh, I found yeah <laughs> <laughs> this podcast was recorded composed for and mixed by Audio Militia leaders in composition final mix and sound design for more info visit audiomilitia.com um, the other question <laughs> I got recently was how do you ensure non-bias? And I didn't understand exactly what they mean or what this person was trying to suggest. And it was actually from the media because it's important, right? So if yeah. I go out into the media with this data, it has to hold up. In other words, the process of getting the data is as important as the data itself. 
Would you agree with that? Yes, I do think so. And I think that, I mean, it's the most difficult thing about when you're asking people for their opinions, right? To sort of imagine that there is no bias is kind of completely incorrect, right? Because everybody, you know, just depending on the day that you ask someone a question, they're going to respond differently. So I think it's actually better to sort of almost understand. I mean, that's the nice thing about what we do is that we have a great understanding of who our, what our what our users look like. So, which is um, very representative of the general online population, which I think is correct by its nature. So we're not we're not an official research house, and we don't develop methodologies. As Ems mentioned, we power servers or insights to help you run your business better. But I think that bias is more important to be aware of when you're dealing with small sample sizes. Uh, with the bigger sample sizes, with you know, when you talk to online. So you need to be able to access the internet. That's already a bias. But once you're online, we do connect with a large portion of the online community. Um, and we can also target, I mean, just as a side note. But I think with a bigger sample size, with a bigger representation, bias becomes a little bit less important and the insights become more important. And I think that's just a bit more of, as we mentioned earlier, disruptive thinking on moving away from um, maybe kind of a historic way of thinking about insights and, and research and really going, you know, using it more as a quick way of, of making better decisions and gathering statistically relevant amounts of information or larger than statistically relevant amounts of information. I also think another thing to add to that is also, you know, if you're concerned, I mean, you know, it depends business to business about what, what your objectives are and what it is that you want to find out. And if there's something that you are concerned about, like as a possible point of bias or, you know, like this is an important point of differentiation, then you include that in what you're asking people. So then you're able to kind of look at the potential bias, right? Um, because you kind of have to go in with some kind of hypothesis to craft a research survey. You're, you're, you're trying to find out something. So if that can be something that you think is going to influence the results, you can include it as a question. You can ask people and then you can pivot your results around the sort of potential bias. Yeah, because um, I guess you have, you have quantifiable data, but then you also have the unquantifiable stuff. And generally... Uh, my experience is, let's say we've got one and a half thousand respondents. What some companies do is that they then have a focus group and they'll say, uh, not to all one and a half thousand, but maybe to 250, let's say. And they'll phone them up and they'll go, hey, uh, Simone, Sapiwe, whatever, you know, you said that you don't listen to podcasts. Um, why is that? Do you know what I mean? So they're getting verbal. In other words, they're qualifying the quantifiable data. And they're getting further insights. Sure. And there's little nuances or whatever. I mean, do you think that that's, there's value in doing that? Definitely. Days? I yeah. think, you know, doing the initial, um, even from your perspective, the initial research, the initial instant insights um, is going to help direct your next set of questions. So knowing how many people say no, um, firstly, is a way to firstly communicate and, and try educate and try encourage more people to listen to podcasts for sure and find out why they don't and what would make them um, and that could only be a secondary you know only once you've done the initial study could you ha engage in that kind of conversation yeah so what I've tried to do is automate that so I don't want I mean you know let's be fair I don't want to be phoning 300 people and saying why did you do that and I think technology in the way that you design the survey um, is uh, can go a long way to qualifying that data as you go through. So I'll give you an example. So you build in, I use Typeforms. So if you guys oh, yeah. are interested, like please use Typeforms, they're rad. Um, they are uh, very rad. <laughs> <laughs> so you can build in kind of logic, right? So you'll say, if someone says no, then ask them this. So one of the questions is, um, why do you, uh, do you listen to podcasts? And if they say no, then they go to a logic-based uh, qualifying question which is to say uh, pick one of these options but tell us why you don't listen to podcasts and there's like eight different options in there I don't have a smartphone uh, I don't know how to access a podcast blah 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 blah, blah. Um, and, uh, and interestingly something like 68 60% or so of the re which is amazing for me is to say why don't you listen to a podcast right um, 
the only reason, the biggest reason I should say, that they don't listen to podcasts is because they don't know how to access it. Weird, eh? Um, I mean, it's not that they don't have a smartphone. It's not about data. It's not that they prefer the radio. It's none of that stuff. It's actually purely, well, how the hell do I access it? So now I have, I know now that that's the, the solution, yeah. right? Like tell the market how to access a podcast or whatever. Um, and so I don't need to phone 300 people to now verify that because I've solved that through the survey itself. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any views on other best practice kind of things around design? I think, um, you know, just to speak to your point and you'll know your business better than we'll know your business. So we do prefer to partner on powering what you need surveyed or or what you need insights on so we can get you the results quicker and more cost effectively than any other channel. But we wouldn't design it without your input. So I think knowing that using technology is 100% brilliant like that you thought through that whole process before you embarked and the insights was you know really clever like I think everyone should do that not a lot of people do um for me the one thing I get from speaking to people I don't think it's either or or black and white it's just it's it's objective specific um if I don't know what questions to ask then speaking to a couple of people on the phone would help guide my questions going forward so if I don't have the canned responses or I don't know the decision tree or I don't know the logic, then I may call 10 to 20 people, get a sense of, of what the right questions would be and then kind of carry on with the, with the insights. Um, so for me, human interaction um, has a, po- a purpose and has a point to when you don't know. Um, you, you were talking about the profile of your database. Um, can you just describe that for me a little bit more? Because I think as a business owner when you're looking to do research it's kind of like where you put the survey is as important as what the survey gets do you know what I mean and I'm not talking about channel I'm talking about the demographic that you're trying to reach do you know what I'm saying so yes. I mean how would you describe like what does what does the profile of your base actually look like so our profile is 64% female actually which is what? yeah <laughs> um, the future is female <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, primarily 18 to 35 in age, though that's the majority kind of usage. Um, like As I said, we can target to specific age and demographic, but that's also representative of a lot of the consumer, online consumer behavior. So it's quite interesting to see that. Um, 80% of purchasing decisions are made by females or influenced by females um, online. So, you know, the daily deal sites, the e-commerce sites, they'll often see similar demographics. But with one and a half million people, we have a lot of everything. So it's just about choosing who do you want to find out from. If you want to find out from the Just Play community, then we can open it up and give you the results by demographic and by age, location, um, etc. But if you want to target and only find out from a specific region, from a specific age group, from a specific gender, then we can do that as well. Depends on your comp- on your business objectives. Yeah, I think also just to speak to a point that you made earlier, which I think is important to know, is that we have like such a huge, like vast scope in our country in terms of how the, the demographics of the country are made up of, and it is important to know that with Just Play, you are looking at you know there's this big scope within the Just Play community on 1.5 million people, like Addie was saying, but also you know the the market, the demographic are people. There there are people who know how to navigate online so I think that that's like that's probably the biggest differentiator you know between what we do and sort of I guess what a lot of other businesses do and that's important to know for the business as well for your business like are these the people that you are trying to talk to you Mm. yeah yeah I mean the other thing that's just plainly obvious here is that when you think about the demographic makeup of South Africa the 18 to 35 uh, range makes up over half of the country from an age demographic perspective. It's called the youth bulge, essentially, right? So when you're 35, you're actually still part of the youth, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's important, right? And I mean, I've seen these kind of... And by the way, that same stats applies to the whole of Africa. I mean, it's nuts. And and you've got 3 billion people that are connected to the internet for the first time in the next two years. That's insane for me. Yeah. And you know what's funny? There's no insight about them. So we'll have to try get some. No, yeah, I mean, go to see Procter & Gamble. You know, I mean, they spend fortunes a year, like literally fortunes. 
um, trying to get data on these markets. So I think everyone's in the same boat regardless of the size of the company. But uh, what I'm suggesting is that from a research perspective, there's just so much opportunity that's coming. And from, you know, entre- from an entrepreneur's perspective, even podcasts, like my thing is, what's, what are they going to want when they connect to the internet? Information. Right, and if you're not there as a business owner with information that's relevant to them and that's insight-based, ideally, uh, then I think you're going to have a a lost opportunity on the table. Would you agree with that? I think so. I think also um, being just on the other side of the youth official youth bulge <laughs> classification, um, I'm getting you know I'm less and less in touch with what the youth are looking for, and if I'm not engaging with that market, finding out where, how the youth communicate, you know, how that market um, likes to be spoken to, what information they're looking for to speak to your point. I think that as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, um, I'll become less and less relevant. Yeah, I mean, I guess what we're saying here, it's intent around brands. I mean, uh, HDI, youth marketing, they do a lot of research. So they literally have foot soldiers on the ground. They've got, you know, hundreds of them who go to townships uh, because obviously they're, they're not connected to the internet as, man, as much as, as much. Yeah. And so they'll go there and they'll say, hey, here's a Procter & Gamble sample. Um, and in exchange for that, like a pregnancy test, I don't know, whatever they give them. Well, hopefully not a pregnancy yeah, test. Yeah, I know, though. exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was a shit example. Uh, cuck rabbit hole. But anyway, we, dig- we digress. So my point is that they're, they're going out there and they're yeah. literally qualifying the data as they're capturing it. Do you know what I mean? But, yes. I mean, stop and fast forward two years. You know, there's not well, going to be... There's a lot of initiatives to try to get, um, you know, I don't know if this is digressing, but to get access to the townships, to get access to the whole country. Um, I think that will change things for businesses, for marketers, for researchers. Um, You'll have access to a lot more people um, and people in townships won't be disadvantaged by not having constant access to the internet. I think it's going to change the country, the way business is done, job creation opportunities. So I think in two years it will be very different and we've got to stay on top of it. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, just to, to land how powerful this kind of stuff can be. So one of they, they basically do this thing called Gen, Gen Next, uh, Gen, G-E-N-N-X-T and they yes. publish it in the sun. Have you seen that? I've seen it. Yeah, and they publish, you know, top level, top, coolest brands and what have you you know and it's kind of that's kind of like how many likes do you have you know so but, but <laughs> social any, media is a hugely powerful yeah yeah and represent like it's, you know it's, it's great for brands you can get a lot of insights into which brands are being shared and um, liked and you can get insights from social media as well but one of those insights was um, that the youth are actually brand agnostic funny eh so it's interesting so you have on one spectrum you've got the coolest brands but actually in reality when it comes to things like purchase intent they're completely agnostic like what they actually want is a brand or any brand to stand up and mean something number one but also to to care about them and do stuff for them not for the brand doesn't make sense yeah i think also to be socially conscious um, is something that's come out of some of the insights and research that people want to be part of brands that um, do good, that care about them, that represent who they are. Um, security is also a big thing that are stable. What are some of the other insights that you guys have found uh, when doing research for other companies that you can share? <laughs> Ooh, I may need a little moment to think about that one before I answer. <laughs> Oh yeah, so I think, I mean, I suppose I I can talk about this information because I have shared it, even though it's not a part of what Papa Media officially have released to the public. Um, What was pretty interesting was to see how uh, different age groups and stuff are engaging with the different platforms as far as like where engagement happens and, and purchase intent. So I think it was pretty interesting just from a business perspective to be able to look at all of those things and see actually which verticals, you know, everyone, like you were saying, social media is like this thing, you know, like social media. But actually currently where we are right now, it's one of those things where the majority of people, it's like the biggest um, kind of vertical that's that's is able to create sales out of social media is sort of if you're looking at your um, sort of fashion 
right? They're the guys that are just like cleaning up when it comes to engagement and then purchase on social media across all the demographics. You know, whereas things that are like kind of, I think we think about them as like more traditional items, maybe cars, televisions, insurance, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, insurance, that kind of thing. There's still definitely, you know, for those markets, you can look at them and go, actually, the majority of their influence and in, in, you know the places that are actually going to be where, where consumers are recognizing that their purchases have been influenced by a media source is still quite traditional. It's still more likely to be television. You know, the older people are, but again, it's about looking for the trend because if you pivot all of that same data with an age group where you're looking purely at eighteen to twenty-two year olds, so I think you know eighteen to twenty-two year olds don't necessarily have a lot of buying power you know they don't have a lot of money right so they're purchasing but not as much but if you look at how they're engaging you know if you're a savvy brand you know that in a year or two or whatever you know exactly which channels you should be pushing towards even if right now you're still focusing here you can kind of see that wave pushing across Um, and that was it was just you know it's kind of the thing that you sort of suspect but it's very cool to see the stats backing it up you know, it gives you confidence in knowing when you talk about it that you actually are right. <laughs> it's not just a feeling. I think another interesting piece, um, it was a couple of years back already, that Student Village put out and, and we powered some of their, their research, some of their surveys was on Afro-Lennials, millennials in Africa. And uh, as a business owner, as um, you know, someone who employs people, it was very eye-opening and um, sometimes shocking to read about what the findings were of what people are looking for when they're looking for a job. Especially um, some people, some of the, the youth expectation of what they think is financially and materialistically possible within the first 18 months of getting employed. Yeah, I think for me what's interesting is that everyone's seeming, when I say everyone, I mean like most brands are trying to engage with the youth like I mean every Vodacom MTN like you pick a telco company and they all have a big youth focus campaign every year and to your point while they can't spend Mm -hmm. my view is that what they're actually trying to capture is the future value of the economic wallet of that segment meaning that if I have and this this is a true thing if you, do you remember Bob cards, F and B Bob yeah. cards? Do you remember? Like totally now remember we're showing age, right? <laughs> but I mean, wrong side of the youth. But what bank? Who do you bank with, though? Um, F and B, R and B, and F and B. So it's exactly the same as, as me, right? And I know that's probably not a great representative story here around what the true intent is. But the insight there is that if you're a youngster, and let's take Nike as an example, if you see a brand ad with Hussein Bolt or whoever it is, you know, some amazing sportsman, or you see a really great Nike ad, or they do something to effectively create a connection with you when you're young. In the banking space, there's an insight here that something like if you're so those F and B Bob cards were specifically for youngsters, right? Was that true or not? I don't know if it was Was it only in a bank? Okay. Or uh, anyway, so so that the insight here is that you're far less likely to switch banks if you have that bank account with them when you're young. Is that statistic influenced by the fact that it's really, really, really an awful experience in South Africa to switch banks? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. But I mean, it's interesting, you know, because I mean, again, but then for me, my question would be like, but where's the data to to support that? Yeah, definitely. Because actually what we're talking about is, it's not about the data. It's about what you do with it. And, 100%. and it's about the decision making, right? And it, Yeah, and, it's, and I think so even this, like this angle that we're taking in the conversation right now is something that I think, um, so I listened to your podcast with, uh, some of your podcast with Mike Sharman, which was around storytelling and, you know, for your business, specifically sort of looking at how you're crafting your content, your brand messaging, all of that kind of thing. You know, I guess that that's something that I think that insights and research can be super valuable for is like, how do you craft the right story? You know, if, if, this, is your, if this is your kind of strategy, you want to be engaging people when they're 22 because you know that in a year from now, their financial situation is most likely going to shift and they're going to have certain needs and you're trying to start the conversation now. Like, what are those tools? What are those like levers that you can pull in your brand conversation? How do you tell that story? And that's the thing that you can use insights for. 
is is like you know how to speak to people in the right way, and I think that that's also super powerful. That's actually something I hadn't thought about. I was thinking about it when we you know in this interview, but I had previously I hadn't thought about it, which is to say, because if I'm involved involved in the business of storytelling which I am, then wouldn't it make sense for me to have a research partner that can say, actually, Mr. Brand, who's wanting, based on this objective, to reach this market, here's story. It's like the animatics version, I suppose, right? But, but only in my case, it's like to actually qualify that story before you produce it. And we th- accept. <laughs> <laughs> because now that's an extra yeah. revenue stream for me. Yeah, awesome. It's a great right. idea. It's going to make um, the storytelling and, and the brand messaging, as Em said, you know, much more powerful. Just ensure that engagement, ensure that you hit the right target market. Well, I also think it's just, so it's like the struggle of businesses and brands, right? Um, I think it is a struggle, particularly from like my experience where you're looking at from a marketing perspective, right? A communications, marketing communications perspective in a business is, you know, like there's this buzzword, like content marketing, right? And it kind of is tied in and now we've gone from like very specifically sort of siloed digital marketing channels and we're moving into a space now where things are becoming kind of really cohesive, right? Even the digital advertising tools are becoming smarter so that they can look at more than just the one channel that they used to be created to look at, right? And I think that one of the things as well that is an increasing challenge is, you know, there are a lot of businesses, a lot of brands don't necessarily have the resources to power all of these different things and and to create specific content for specific channels, let's say, right? It also seems like that's a kind of more archaic way of thinking about it, where you have one, one thing that's got one function, right? And I think that that's also something that we see as really powerful is you have these insights, right? So now you can use these insights from a PR perspective, from a PR communications perspective. You can also use them from an internal marketing perspective if you're picking where your budget is going to go. You can also use the same statistics, the same information to craft content that can then be suitable for PR for your, like, let's say you're running PPC campaigns, your PPC landing pages, your SEO pages, you can have SEO validated content. You have amazing backlinks on an SEO perspective. You've also got great PR, right? Then, and you've also got shareability. You've got incredible stuff that you can share with your consumers or that you can share with your clients, right? It's, and, it's, and it's sort of one, one kind of um, basket of information that you can leverage for so many different things. And I think that's also kind of more forward thinking. I don't think that, you know, where we are, the way that people think about research, they feel like it's inaccessible for them and their businesses. And also like looking at what you, you know, when, the, when there are costs involved, people are like, well, oh, you know, like I think that that's what we're really excited about is to be able to offer something that's cost effective and, and can be so multifunctional. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that you could consider doing is taking all the data that you have um, and creating rapid insights as literally a infographic, digital infographic platform, right? And what you do is you create a freemium layer at the top. So you say, if you want highbrow stuff around digital channel usage, this is what you get. And by the way, it's free and it's clickable and it's got pretty graphs and stuff. I've got some cool tools I can share awesome. with you. Awesome, thank you. Um, and then, but then what you say is, okay, but if you want to drill down on Facebook, right, and get a, literally, it's like data set one overlaid with data set two, and here's the insights, now you pay a hundred dollars a month or five hundred. I mean, you could probably go to a thousand dollars a month for that. My point being is that the deeper you go into the, the kind of rapid insights database, the more you pay. And what I can also tell you is that research doesn't stop. So, in other words, for me, I'm starting asking whatever, but your big brands like Vodacom yeah. or whatever, they don't stop researching ever. And so, why wouldn't this become a subscription play for you? I think it's definitely something to consider. Um, I think it's very interesting, something we'll look into. Um, what we will be doing is we will be publishing some rapid insights, just industry specific, um, for, as you say, freemium, just for to get our, work, our name out there, to allow other businesses to use it for their podcasts or for their businesses. So if you do have anything you want us to look into specifically, let us know. I think that will be really great for the you know, for the country, for for businesses in general, just to use, and uh, in terms of the subscription as a a new revenue stream, it's it's something to consider. It's a very very interesting idea. 
Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that the thing is, though, I also want to speak to, like, I, I totally love the idea. I think it's definitely worth exploring. So apparently we're doing but, uh, two, yeah, one. Yeah. two, one. Two, <laughs> one. But, um, but I also think that that's sort of, I think that that's currently, like, what we're also trying to just differentiate, you know, is that is that there are traditional research houses that are already powering that kind of thing. Admittedly, they're cost prohibitive for a lot of people. Massively. Right. But they but, also but they, have methodologies and yeah. statisticians and research yes. experts. It's a different offering. It's a different it's a different offering. It's not just information. And I think that as as great as it is, like that's not necessarily difficult from like going on to, you know, one of your sort of Silicon Valley publications and reading statistics about how people use Facebook. Like that's do you know what I mean? Even if it is vertical specific or or, or how how people are yes it's it would be different because it would be based on South Africa but I think that I think that the the real value is when it's about your business you know um, like when it's specifically about your business not your industry not like this big great big vertical thing or that you're a part of but it's specifically about you it's specifically about your brand it's specifically about how people are engaging with that and I think those are custom insights and I think that those are the ones that are really going to give you like some really nice meaty information to sink your teeth into. Yeah, just to expand a bit more here. So you, there's basically there's two things, right? To your point, they have, you have to do the custom stuff. So for Matt Brown Media and Podcasts, like what does that look like, right? So we, I'd pay you to go and do that research or whatever and that's very specific to my business. But I'm a media company, so I also need to know, you can't just look at your business in isolation, obviously, like you yeah. need to look at the broader picture. So I'm suggesting that I would pay <laughs> to get access to a broader set of information to Noted. cross, yeah, to, to, uh, to get cross, on that. Yes, do that. You're going to have to do this. Um, but to cross-reference that against what other attitudes are towards radio, right? So I know that people, like some crazy number, 74% of the respondents prefer listening to podcasts than the radio. That's nuts, right? But what, yeah. I'm, all, but what I'm all, I mean, hello. Um, <laughs> but I'm also interested to know um, specifically around radio, for instance, like what is, how would they evaluate the listening experience? Do you know what I mean? So now this is, it's a related thing, but it's not specific to me. Makes sense. The listening experience with On pod- radio versus podcasts. Do you know what I mean? But in other words, if you prefer listening to uh, a podcast over a radio, but why? So, okay. Do you know what I mean? So, but now attitudes towards radio. Well, you know, I think it sucks or it's depressing. I don't like the news. You know, I hate missing my favorite shows. It's too much. My daughter music. asked what a radio is. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> or for instance, what about streaming radio? You know, yeah. I don't care about that because it's not immediately relevant to me as a business. But if I'm doing research around podcasting, I also would like to have the data or the reference point to say. From a streaming radio perspective, what does that look like? Because like what are the complementary industries and totally. yeah. how are they you know? so I think, faring? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's really exciting for us as we also, you know, as we focus on, on building out Rapid Insights specifically, I think it's going to be great. You know, we want to have as many conversations as possible with different business owners who have different needs, you know, who are interested in things outside of the exact research that they're doing because we have the ability to power that we can find it out. It's really easy. We can find it out really quickly and at a very low cost. And I guess it's more about having conversations like these where we can determine what is interesting to people in a general sense, you know, and then, and then we can sort of power that, create that, create that platform. And the other thing to consider is if you have 3 billion people connecting to the internet in Africa, by the way, not in many other countries around the world, they're all pretty developed, but specifically in Africa, right? Nuts. What do you think global uh, brands are going to want? Insights. So yeah. you have the platform that's subscription based or whatever. Boom, boom, boom. Tick, tick, tick. It's all very good, very good ideas that uh, we'll bring you in on. The Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt Brown Show. Matt Brown Show. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my 
clients. Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.